Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. The reason why I bring up Derek is because there was a specific moment last week that I specifically saw a son sit in that second row and he leaned over the first row and threw whatever was in his hand down on the floor. Whatever it was that got traded in that moment was not about my teaching, but it was about an anointing. And he takes me out into the parking lot and he's like, I'll I'll vox you later. And he's like, "Never mind, I'm just gonna say it now. And as a son, he began to weep and he said, I don't know what happened, but I've been numb and you just unlocked it. Now, I will tell you this, I left last Friday absolutely scared out of my mind because of what was released. To say it boldly, the two things that were released is I basically introduced Ruach HaKadosh as a female. I also took rapture away from you. That's scary. Do you want to know what happened that night in my spirit? A son stood in the gap and said, I don't know what this means to you, but as a son, I will guard that word with my life. And in that moment, I said, I'll preach like that for the rest of my life. It was worth that. I'm not after chasing revival. I'm after raising it. I'm not after chasing a conference. I'm after raising it. I am not after the next big thing. I'm raising it. And do we believe that raising a nation is within our home and within our family? And I would preach that word over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'll smash all your boxes. I'll smash religion in the face. I don't care what comes at me. If it means a son says, I'm not numb, but I feel and I have purpose, I would do it over and over and over over again. Amen. So I am on fire and I'm excited for tonight and I am unapologetic. Are you guys ready? (laughs) All right. So I had told you guys that we are doing heaven awareness and that we are going to be engaging heaven and we are going to do that. I hope that we get to that. However, I really felt that after last week, I wanted, excuse me, I did want to bring some teaching anointing. Is that okay? So I want to um, explain a little bit about my process and what's happening, and then I'm going to explain why we're doing that tonight. My, my hope is, is that we would do a hard stop, if you guys can help me, at about 8.10, hard stop at 8.10, and then we would activate. We're actually going to say goodbye to live, and we are going to just begin to... Um, We're just gonna begin to ascend together and we're gonna see what happens. But it's just gonna be a small amount of time. If we get to it, it's gonna be a small amount of time. One of the things that I've noticed is that we are all on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes time to encountering him. Some of us encounter him through the word. Some of us encounter him through teaching. Some of us encounter him through soaking. Some of us encounter him through, right? There's so many different ways to explain secret time. Some of you are like, I've been encountering him my whole life. I can see in the spirit and... Janina dances and has seen for for eight for years and then there's some of you that are like I cannot keep a focus for even more than two seconds because my brain just begins to start thinking about my list of things I have to do tomorrow so it's like you'll begin to engage an encounter and all of a sudden you're like pulled back to earth how many of you are like that well so so we're we're on all and it's okay we're on all opposite ends of the spectrum. But if we're gonna do this corporately, then we have to begin to practice just like we would practice anything else. If I said we're gonna have a prayer meeting, right? Everyone would come together and we would do that. So I just am feeling if we get to that, we would spend about maybe 10, 15 minutes activating what ascension looks like, activating our imaginations and beginning to synergize with one another in a different realm. Here's what's cool. 
even if it's a small amount of time or we don't get to it, next week, am I correct, Presbytery, is family week, right? So we are going to have a family night. Are we still going to do discussion and Q&A? We can always be releasing and teaching and doing Q&A and discussion next week. And then the next week is actually the fifth Friday of the month, and that is our intercession night, which, I mean, what better way than to say, let's just encounter heaven? Amen? Instead of necessarily intercession the way we've known it. Okay. You guys good? All right. I am, I am a flood. <laughs> I, I am, I am filled up and going to explode. So my explosion just needs to land where it lands. You guys okay with that? <laughs> I don't know. I know exactly how we're going to get through all of this. But what I don't know is when I need to stop and read something. Are you guys okay if I don't read it that the scriptures that are given to you that you guys have homework to do your due diligence to read it? Okay. Let me explain my process and then we're going to get into a couple things. Uh, I have been a teacher. I have an anointing to teach. I love to teach. I love to learn. I am moldable. That's just an aspect of me. And I love to dispense the things that are taught to me. Here's my thing though. I have to know to the best of my ability everything that I'm about to release. I've been told you need to make sure the word lines up. You need to make sure that you're accurate. You need to make sure you're not deceiving. You need to all, right? So then I learn everything and then I dispense it. What's happened in this season is he's flipping it, me. He's flipping it and he's asking me, I should say he's asking this house. He's asking you guys to give me permission to release out of experience that we would be caught in the spirit versus by knowledge. You guys gave me that permission. So I stepped out and released out of experience, and then he's having me learn it. It doesn't mean I'm not learning, but instead of learning, then releasing, I release and then I learned. And it is a powerful thing that's happening. Absolutely a powerful thing. Because what is being released out of experiential knowledge is now being backed up but what's ha here's what's happening. Are you, guys, are you guys with me? Okay, here's what's happening. Before, it would mean that the word would have to make my experience. Now, my experience, the word is going to match my experience. What I mean by that is, is that if you were to study healing, okay, you're to study healing, but you've never experienced healing, you probably will find in the scriptures that healing is done away with. Dispensationalism, healing is done. After the apostles, there are no more apostles, there are no more healing. That's a theory, that's a doctrine, and there's tons of scriptures to back it up. Why is that doctrine there? Probably because they didn't experience healing. Because you cannot argue a man with an experience. But if I've been healed, then I have to be able to figure out how does the word back up my experience? Because what's happening is, is we make the word fit into my experience and we basically debunk, push down and say the word is less powerful because this is my experience instead of saying this is his experience and now I'm going to live up to his standard. So this is what religion does. Religion says, here's our standard, God meet it. I should say, here's my standard, God meet it. God, come down. 
God, come meet me here. God, do it again. You didn't do it enough. God, do, you know, right? But what he says is, come up here. And the pressure's on you. The experience is here. And he's saying, you're going to meet my standard. So what's happening is, is as I release out of experience, there's a standard that's released. Because I'm being raised <clears throat> to his standard, not man's standard. So here's what happened. <clears throat> Excuse me. I began to then operate into, in the knowledge of what was released. I need water, and I know that's really annoying. I think it's annoying. And the most powerful thing is happening. It's happened about, I don't know, maybe 10 times. I'm encountering something, and immediately I find it in the Word. And that's why I can be so fired up because I have, I have to the best of my ability, I have, I have gone inside of this thing. And I stand more confident than I did last week that tonight I will be able to debunk escapism and rapture 100%. Okay? Okay? So that's what we're going to do tonight. So I'm super excited about this. But I want to uh, release uh, a couple of things for you guys just so that you guys understand kind of the shift. This is where I don't know if I'm going to read all these scriptures, but Matthew 13, 11. I don't know if I'm going to write these down. Matthew 13, 11. There is so many scriptures that talk about the mystery. I want to define mystery for you because a lot of us think mystery means magical. Mystery means that something that is real or something that was always his has just been hidden from you. So a mystery is not something that's just going to be, uh, it's not a new thing to him. It's just going to be a new thing to you. So to, to op, so the honor, it says in Proverbs, the, the, the scriptures, Proverbs 25, 2, the honor of Yahweh is to conceal a thing, and it's your honor to go out and search it out. It doesn't mean that he's trying to withhold a mystery because he doesn't want you to know it. He's saying there's an honor when I conceal something, and in that pursuit to know it, the mysteries get revealed to you. It doesn't mean that it's a new thing it me because it was always in his heart. But when you step inside of him, he's able to release the mysteries that have always been known that, that are then given to you to know. So mystery just means something that was hidden comes into the light. Amen? So everything that's being released tonight is not new. It's just been hidden from your eyes and from in your heart that is going to be revealed. And it's an honor to stay in the mysterious place. That doesn't mean it's an honor to stay like, I don't know. I think mystery is like darkness and you're just like floating around. Mysteries, I don't. What it means is that there's an honor for you to stay in that mysterious place. Never get to the point where you know it all is what I'm saying. Never get to the point where you think you have it all. Never get to the point where you're not operating in his mysteries because you will never know the fullness of who he is. There should always be a mystery. There should always be something that he hides for you to be able to devour, meaning eat it up. Amen? Okay. So Matthew 13, 11, it, he tells his disciples, but you, but you've been given access to the mysteries. Do you believe you're a disciple? 
We've been given access to the mysteries. It means that you're allowed to go beyond the parables. He says, I speak to all them in parables. Hey, look, you can decide which group you want to be in, and we're going to get to that tonight. But I want to be the one that he says that you, you're able to know the mystery. So he says that you've been given the mystery. So I'm doing all of this to just to kind of give you an overarching, I want to uh, encourage you guys that you guys are allowed to know the mysteries. We're, remember when I talked about this is the time to question everything. This is the time to let the door be wide open and say, I want the fullness of your mysteries. That's where the honor is. I'm hungry. I want it. I'm not done. Amen? Okay. So, uh, maybe I should read this one. 1 Corinthians 4.1. No, I'm just going to go for it. It... You can read in there. It basically is saying that Messiah's, you are Messiah's helpers and stewards of his mysteries. So not only are you allowed to know the mysteries, you're not supposed to hoard them. So you're, you're supposed to have access to his mysteries, and then you are the helper and steward of his mysteries. We're all sitting out here, down here, floundering, saying, what are you going to do? He's like, when are you going to tell my people what I'm doing? Search it out. Knock on my door. Figure it out. See what my heart is saying, and then go and dispense it. You're the helper. You're the steward of my mystery. Is that not an absolute calling on our life? I'll debunk every mystery, ministry calling you think you have. Your calling is as a steward of mysteries and give them away. <laughs> I have a healing ministry. No, you don't. It's to rest in his heart. Find out what he's saying and dispense it. <laughs> All right. We're going to get to some of that too. Okay. Colossians 1, 26 through 27. A mystery revealed is a full message. How many, how many five-point sermons have you been hearing lately? Not in this house. Not from me. <laughs> Maybe last week or two weeks. I don't know. Gabby said we were in religion 10, 10 minutes ago. <laughs> uh, the, the verse is uh, Colossians 1, 26 or 27. A mystery revealed is a full message. Listen to this. Oh. I'm really going to have a hard time whether or not I read all that. You guys, I just, we could spend the next couple of hours in all the scriptures that I have. Six through nine. No one should take you captive. Not the traditions, philosophies of man or this world shall hold you captive. Okay, I, maybe I need to read that one. Are you guys writing all these down? Uh, Colossians 1, 26 or 27, and then I had uh, 6 through 9. But I have to see what I meant by that. I think it's 1, 6 through 9. Let me see. No. What was that? Maybe. Now, somebody find it for me. You guys can look it up. I don't know where I got six or nine. But it talks about that uh, in Colossians 1, 26 through 27, it talks about um, 
I can read, the mystery that was hidden for ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his Kedoshim, which is his people. God chose to make known to them this glorious mystery. What it's talking about is that it's a full message when you have the mystery. And then there's another part in Colossians where it says that, um, somebody find it for me, because I want to read it. It basically says, do not let the traditions of man hold you captive. Do not let the philosophies. Chapter 2, 6 through 9. All right. So Colossians chapter 2, 6, therefore, as you receive Messiah Yeshua as Lord, so continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. See that no one takes you captive. See that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men and the basic principles of the world rather than Messiah. That is an absolute foundational scripture. I'm so thankful that Yahweh said to read that one. Do not let the traditions of man or philosophies of this world through deception hold you captive that says it is heresy for you to search out the mysteries. That it is heresy for you to not think for yourself. I want to ask you, how many of you have heard about the rapture and you just said, well, my dad told me that. Or the notes came from my pastor. Or I heard about this, but I never read it for myself. Could you, if I asked you, could you come and say this scripture, this scripture, this scripture, this scripture, and then I can back it up with this scripture and this scripture, and then I had an encounter, and this is what Yahweh said, and here's why. Now, if you can, that is amazing, but if you can't, this is the time to figure that out. I'm not saying that against any, any kind of philosophy. It's just making sure that you're not operating under a man's philosophy and not his that's all that I'm saying. Even if, I remember having an, an amazing conversation with Tyler as we usually have. And he'll ask me a question. I'll say, look, this is where I'm at. Once you have all the information, then you're free to make a decision. But don't make a decision out of, arro uh, not arrogance, that's not what I said to Tyler. <laughs> don't make a decision out of ignorance. Right? It's okay if you have all the information, then make a decision. But don't make a decision because so-and-so told me and I didn't want to do it for myself. Right? That's being captive. I don't know if it even matters what you were captive by. It's just the fact that it was by the traditions of man or philosophy and it wasn't for yourself. So what this is is to empower us to be able to think beyond what's been given to us. That's all this is. Okay? All right, Ephesians 4, 13 through 5. You guys know this one very well. Yes? The fivefold. Some apostles, some, right? For what? For maturing, equipping. For us to operate in the full stature, okay? But there's a really cool word in there. Bryant, what's the word? Yes. I have given you this and this and this and this so that you may operate in the full stature. It says until. That means that there's a possibility beyond the until. So let's read it. Ephesians. Now, I want to make sure that I go back. I just felt like Holy Spirit nudged me. When I make statements so boldly, but my dad said, 
We have many pastor's kids in this house that have dads. I'm not talking literal. I'm talking about the traditions of men. What I'm talking about when I say that is being in Egypt when the fathers keep handing down. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Meaning when we have traditions of the fathers that hand it down in Egypt, where all of a sudden you're putting on an identity that isn't of Yahweh, but it was an identity of the culture you were raised in. This is a huge thing for us to understand and not shut off when we say things like that because we go back to blood versus blood as if I'm talking like anything earthly or on the, on the ground. That's not where I'm at is what I'm trying to say. I'm not on earth when I say that. There are things that happen. The prodigal son. Okay? I'm going to just go there really quick because I just think that this is so powerful. The prodigal son, the father had two sons. There's a reason for that. There's a higher truth. Many of us read about the prodigal son saying that must be about uh, me when I was lost or I must be the brother. There's a greater truth that's actually bigger than you. The truth is he had two sons. The house divided cannot stand. This is talking about the gospel. This is talking about the people. This is talking about one new man. Okay, this is talking about the house of Israel that's been divided, neither Jew nor Gentile. So there's a greater truth there. So when you go in and you talk about the prodigal son and he comes back and he gets a new cloak, there's a whole lot more going on in that. It's the identity that we carry. Think about the cloaks. Think about the one that was uh, in Acts right before the temple when he got healed. He ripped off his cloak and he leapt. Because cloaks are about an identity. So when I say the traditions of man or from our fathers or from our mothers, it's talking about what's been handed. What cloak are you wearing and is it his? What have I been cloaked in? Am I cloaked in the pigs? Am I cloaked in traditions? Or am I cloaked in the father's house? And then know that that's not the end of the story because once you're in the house, you have a job to do and it's to make the other brother jealous. It just keeps going and going and going. So did I, is that okay? When I talk about the traditions of man, when I talk about, talk about that? We all right? Jacob, that's okay. Okay. All right. Ephesians 4, 13. This will continue. He himself gave to some to equip the people for the work of the service, for the building up of the body of the Messiah. This will continue until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Ben Elohim to mature adulthood, to the measure and stature of Messiah's fullness. That means that that is needed until. I am wanting to encourage us that if we operate in the mysterious place, could we actually see the until place? What happens when we're operating in the fullness stature of who he is? I think that tonight is pivotal because I believe that if you continue to believe the philosophies of this world and traditions of man, that you will be pushed down and hindered to not walk in your fullness, which is actually what the enemy wants so that we won't see what's to come. That's why I'm hitting this so hard. Not because it's about philosophy, but I want the maturity of sons, not a, eh. Doesn't matter anyways. We'll get to that, okay? Because I, I am yearning for the until place. 
My insides are groaning for the until place. My insides are yearning for the manifestations of the suns. Why? Because I want to see the trees begin to operate in their fullness. Because I'm starting to recognize that the trees are in dysfunction until we get this. Because all of creation is yearning and groaning for us to get it. And we're the only ones who can. The trees aren't going to do it. Other, other planets aren't going to do it. We're the only ones that said you're a son. Right? Satan was a cherub. You're the only one that says you get to have my inheritance. And something has come in to lie to you to be like, and it doesn't really matter what you do with your inheritance. To basically stop the process of maturity. So you're codependent on apostles. You're codependent on pastors. You're codependent on teachers. Because we're not walking in that fullness. Because it's like, well, I'll just stay in the church pew until he comes back. So it creates a codependency. And we see a bunch of babies running around. And none of us are maturing. So the trees are still freaking out. Okay? Are you guys still all right? Okay. This is just the intro. Somebody read Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. This is the shift last week. This is our shift in this house last week. Whoever has that, I don't know if you need a mic or just read it out loud. Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. You got it? Is this on? I don't know if it's on. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Basically, I believe that last week was an opportunity for us to leave. We've talked about this scripture, guys, but I believe that the activation of that scripture happened last week, let's leave the elementary things. Let's leave the rescuing. Let's leave the church age. Let's leave the, the, the salvation message. It doesn't mean that that's not important. It's your foundation. It's the only reason why you're here. It's the only reason why you have access. Never forget where you came from. That's not what I'm saying. But could we go beyond? Could we say it's time for the, 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 the steak and potatoes? Is it time to be able to leave the elementary things for us to be able to walk in that maturity, amen? So that shift has happened. And that's why I said, you need to start encountering before. What I mean by that is that when things are released, you're gonna begin to feel it in your spirit. Shirley is a perfect example. I can be releasing and all of a sudden, Shirley is, uh, um, okay. Uh, Shirley is smiling at me. She's going like this. Like, she's got this look like, finally, she's getting it. I've, I've been in this for decades. 
she just, you know, you're just, I, and I'm just like, does this make sense? And she's like, Ooh. and she comes walking up to me and she goes, there's no time. Not like what you think, not like, not like there's no time left. She's like, there's literally no time. You can go to this and then you can go there. And it's just, we're not, there's no time. And I'm like, yes, here's why. Have I studied that? No. Have I encountered that I am going, that everything comes under dominion? I could say that you have dominion in your home and you guys would say yes. I would say you have dominion in your marriage. You'd say amen. And I could say you have dominion over your kids. You'd say yeah, amen. What happens when I say you have dominion over time? Ooh, I don't know about that. Right? Shirley said yes. Here's the thing. Let's think our thought process through. If I believe I have dominion in my family life, if I have dominion in my thought life, then why would I not have dominion in time? So I don't need to be like, I don't know about that. It's like, hey, whatever you got, give it to me because you're, I don't understand. Give it, just give it to me. Amen? That's what I meant by encounter before. There's going to be things that are going to be released you're not going to understand, but you're going to catch it. Because you want to know what? You came from a place where you were not subject to time. You came from a place where you were not subject to time. Then you were shot to this earth where now there's time. But not if you tap into where you came from. If you are seated at the right hand of the Father, then if He's omnipresent, then I'm omnipresent. You have to just think your thought process through. And if you say yes and amen, Yahweh's good, but I'm not, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. <laughs> it doesn't line up. If, if I have a good, good father, I'm a good, good daughter. If I have a good, good father, then I'm a good, good mother. If I have a good, good father, then I have everything that I need. No more separation. All right, amen. All right, Romans 8, talking about creation. Romans 8, 20 through 21. Um, oh, maybe I should start. Okay, for the creation was subjugate, uh, subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of the one who subject, subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We say that this earth is just dwindling away and it's decaying, not in the children of God. It says right there that it is, not, it, it says right there for the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of the children of God. This is a powerful, powerful thing because we are shifting from renters to owners. When you rent, because somebody else owns it, you kind of walk a little lax. Nah, somebody else will take care of it. It ain't mine. If it breaks, I don't need to steward it. I don't need to owner it, own it. I'll just call someone. It ain't mine. Forget it. Trash it. Put a hole in it. Why do you think we're seeing the earth the way that it is? You all renters. Not you. I'm just, I'm just getting facetious right? We're just here for a time. 
I wasn't born for such a time as this. How does that line up? I'm born for such a time as this. I ain't here for that long. It's renters. And then you wonder what's going on with our environment. What happened if you owned it? I think we might see a little bit of a different worth. All right, you guys ready? Now for the groundwork. <laughs> D. <laughs> Sorry, I have to drink so much water. This is so annoying. I personally cannot stand it when somebody's ministering and then they have water. They're like, like. All right, groundwork. You guys ready? Matthew 13. We're going to go over some parables. All I'm going to do right now is give you some groundwork because I want to make sure that the, our foundation, that we all have an understanding of the overarching gospel. Does, is that okay? Meaning uh, the... Um, I want to give some context or some groundwork as to why we would even talk about this. Okay? Because because it's just gonna be awesome. All right, Matthew 13. Maybe I'm not gonna read this, I'm just gonna release. But I want you guys to spend some time in Matthew 13 because it's parable after parable after parable after parable that says something, okay? Starting in verse 24 through 30, maybe I'll just read a couple of them. Okay. He presented to them another parable saying the kingdom of heaven. Now remember, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's trying to describe to these people what the kingdom of heaven is. Okay. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while the men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Now when the stock sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. So the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? But he replied, an enemy did this. Now the, now the slaves say to him, do you want us then to go out and gather them up? But he says, no, for a while you are gathering them. <clears throat> no, for while you are gathering up the weeds, you may uproot wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I will tell the reapers, first gather up the weeds and tie them in bundles to burn them up, but, but gather the wheat into my barn. What got burned, what left? Weeds. Okay, next one. Um, verse 31 through 32. He presented to them another parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it is full grown, it's greater than the other herbs. It becomes like a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Tie that to what I just released about creation. If you are that mustard seed, you will grow to maturity that creation may rest on you. Think about what was just released. Think about the sermons before. I don't want to get too much into it, but by the Spirit, catch this. The dove landed on Yeshua, right? He's, that is when the mature son the dove landed. Are you guys catching this? 
I said this next age, what we are going to be introduced to in a new way. There needs to be a landing place. And that is going to come from the maturity. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like that. It doesn't say, is it all right if I just kind of like do that? Is it okay if I do that? It doesn't say it's going to start out really little and then you're going to become really beautiful and then when you get almost mature, you get chopped out of there. (laughs) And all the birds just have to like fly around and just die. Okay. Next one, verse 33. You guys okay? He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like Hametz, which a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Again, there's an ever-expanding kingdom is my point. Okay, again, catch by the Spirit. There were three things of flour that she put this into until it was all leavened until it was fully manifested. You guys catch that? All right, all right. Um, You guys can go through all of this. Uh, um, Oh, sorry, you guys. 37 through 43. Okay, 37 through 43 now goes back to the first parable that that I read to you. This is the interpretation. He answered, the one sowing the good seed is the son of man. Okay? And the field is the world. Okay? And the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. And the weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of age. So the Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out the kingdom's stumbling blocks, and he's going to get rid of all lawlessness. He's going to get rid of all lawlessness. Okay. Uh, we, I let you, I'm just going to have you guys go through this. 44 through 46 talks about our worth. It's talking about how the kingdom of God is, 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 like, is like the one that he goes and, and he hides them and then he sells it, right? It, 47 through 50, uh, we can read that one. 47 through 50, really. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea, gathering things of every kind. When it was filled, they pulled it ashore and they sat down and gathered up all the good into containers, but threw the bad away. Again, what got thrown away? Okay. All right, and I'm just going to speak this over you by the Spirit, verse 52. Then he said to them, Therefore, every Torah scholar discipled for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure both new and old. Amen? All right. Oops. All right, let's go to John. I'm trying to think if I want to do that yet. Yes, let's do that. We are actually going to read this one. John 17. Fifteen through nineteen. 
This is Yeshua. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I make myself holy so that they also may be holy in truth. This is him praying. Are you guys catching these, just in this one, this one aspect, these parables of, what, of the kingdom truth, and yet you read that, and that's not what we're taught. We're taught, don't worry about this earth. It's going to pass away. Not to mention, is it going to pass away? You're just, he's going to come back one day and you get to get out of here. And let me, let me venture to say this. This could just be my experience. But after I leave, I never studied where I was going. So for me, it ended with the rapture. I don't know if that did that to you. But what it did for me is it basically said, you out of here, everyone else, to, to, to heck with them. <laughs> screw you, screw for you. <laughs> Sucks for you. Sucks to be you. Right? I, I'm a renter. This ain't mine anyways. So I'm just going to sit here and be codependent and hope that I walk in maturity, but I probably won't get it till I die because I made a death covenant. So only in death can I be mature and then I'll experience everything. But what am I going to experience? Because I never studied where I'm going. I'm just going to fly away. And then when I fly away and I get raptured, right? Because we all believe in the Left Behind series, right? In 1995, that's the end age. So we just think like, well, I really hope my mom saved because if not, they're going to get into a big car accident and I'm just going to... And then, but here's the thing, but then what? Where am I going after I get raptured? I never studied after. I thought I was gonna frolic around in heaven singing holy, holy, holy. I did. Doesn't that kind of make your life like? You created me for such a time as this and sent me to this earth to be your vessel to what? Why? What, I mean, what am I doing here then? What, you wanted me to take dominion and populate the earth so that I could stop populating it and leave and then sing for the rest of my life? I'm being real because this is a huge turmoil in my life. When I got saved, I heard the most Christian men and women, I mean, the ones you look up to, be like, I can't wait to die. I can't wait for him to come back. I hate this earth. It's a horrible place. It's going to be paradise. And I remember sitting in my pew going, I know I'm saved, but I don't understand that at all. I haven't gotten married yet. Please don't come back. Seriously. They were, these were older men and women. You had your time. <laughs> right? And you're like, this is horrible. Just take me now. And I'm over here like, no, I haven't even had kids yet. Seriously, I haven't owned a business. I haven't gotten my degree. I don't think death is better. I must not be saved because I haven't experienced heaven because apparently I don't know something because I really love earth. But I was saved, I think. (laughs) 
I love Yeshua with all of my heart, but it didn't make sense to me how people kept just worshiping and saying, oh, he's going to come back. Don't have a savings. He's coming back. Don't leave a legacy for your kids because you know what? It doesn't matter. He's coming back in 2000. So now we have a bunch of kids, the next generation, not set up to take dominion of this earth because their legacy was absolutely stripped from them because of philosophies of men that said that you are still going to be stuck in poverty and you don't deserve anything because you're just going to get taken out of here. That ain't true. And I'm just going to say, kids, 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 you ain't going anywhere either. So I'm going to leave you a legacy. Amen? All right. But come on, how can we have one sermon where we want to break poverty and then believe escapism? You cannot be a hypocrite be like, I bind poverty in the name of Jesus. I want my kids to be prosperous. But you know what? In the back of my head, it don't really matter because we're all getting out of here. You cannot be a hypocrite. So we cannot walk in kingdom dominion and at the same time think, okay, it doesn't line up, which is why we're having some conversations. Okay. All right. Luke 17. Luke 17 is a hard one. You're both in a bed. One gets taken and one stays. There's two in a field and one's going to go and one's going to stay. This is a difficult one to touch. I'm just saying. Two women are grinding. You traded at the wrong time. <laughs> She's like, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> one leaves, one goes. <clears throat> I'm not going to read it. <laughs> I'll, speak, I'll speak on it. I'm not going to read it. Mm. Woo. All right. First of all, let me give you some context to Luke 17. When you first read Luke 17, it, 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 first of all, it should give you a little bit of some context that, um, <laughs> here's the thing. He talks a lot about how he's going to come when you're just doing your own thing. But we hone in on one leaves and one goes. How about he's going to come when you're messing around doing your own thing? First of all, let me just preface this and I'll get into it. He's coming. Oh, he's coming. You just ain't getting out of here. And I'll get to that. But he is coming. He is absolutely coming. And when he comes, that evil one, it out of here. So here's the thing. When you begin to understand parables like that, and we don't get tripped up on what does that mean, but understand he repeats it over and over and over again. When you're just getting married, and you're just doing about your own business, and you're cooking, and you're cleaning. That's what we should be honing in on. That should say, don't be complacent. This is what I believe has happened. In 1830, around 1850, there's this thing that came in that said, you can just be complacent. Because it doesn't, 
Does that make sense? It was doing the opposite of what that parable is saying. So that's the first thing I wanted to talk about. The other thing it says, like in the days of Noah and Lot. Woo, are you guys excited about this revelation? I can't wait to get to this because most rapturists believe that like the days of Noah, we are going to ascend and he's going to wipe it all out. I mean, that's, that makes sense. Let me tell you what I see. <sighs> Noah ascended to a place. The evil still got wiped out, but what you forget is in the days of Noah, 365 days later, it dried up and he went where? Who was left behind? What was wiped away? Come on. He was prepared. Come on. Noah was prepared. He saw a thing that was coming that nobody else said was. He looked nuts. He looked crazy. He said, build a thing because something's coming that's going to make you elevated in an ark in his presence. And it's going to take you up. And you're going to go higher. And you're going to get to see from a place you've never seen before. And all of a sudden, his water's going to take out the evil. And then you're going to descend. And then all of a sudden, you're going to take dominion and go through the earth. So like in the days of Noah, two will be in a bed. One will leave and one will stay. You decide. Like in the days of Lot. Yes, his city burned up. Where did he go? Most people go, yeah, I'm going to escape. Oh, you're going to be protected. But he did not escape earth. I'm not saying evil's not going to be destroyed. I'm not saying that this earth ain't going to pass away. I'm just trying to give you a different perspective of what your role is in all this. Okay? I'm just trying to get after escape. I'm after the complacency and leaving. I'm not saying that there isn't a second coming. I'm not saying that there isn't judgment. I'm not saying one's going to leave and one's going to go. I just want to shift your mindset of where you've been. Okay? All right. All right. Okay. Um, I don't even know if I, it's 7.30. I don't even know if I want to get into this, but Matthew 24 and 25 are some of the other hard ones. <laughs> Matthew 24 and 25, uh, I will say this. There's an, aspect in the, uh, there's an aspect in the scripture in Matthew 24. Uh, let me see if I can actually find the, you guys can go there if you want. Matthew 24. All right, let's just start in verse nine. Then they will hand you over to persecution and will kill you. You will be hated by all the nations because of my name. And, when many, uh, and then many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray because lawlessness will multiply. The love of many will grow, grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. There's an aspect of this thing that has come out that has taught us you don't really need to endure. Right? 
I'll get to it, but Revelations, I'm pretty sure, has about 17 promises in it. Have you read Revelations? The promises are given to those who what? Overcome, endure. There's some promises for those who endure, those who make it to the end. That doesn't really line up with, well, it doesn't, before everything gets good and crazy. Right? All right, I, and, then, and then just so that you guys just have a little bit of context, Matthew 25. So Matthew 24 talks a lot about this stuff, and then Matthew 25 says something really interesting. He says, I'm going to gather the good ones on my right side and the evil ones on my left. My point in saying all of that is that it's not about who gets taken and who doesn't, but that there is an aspect of death. There is an aspect of separation. There is an aspect of good and evil. I'm not dismissing that. I'm not dismissing the judgment. I'm not dismissing that he's going to gather some on his right side. He's going to gather some on his left side. All I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting you to question, where is that? Okay? All right. 1 Thessalonians 4. How are you guys doing? 1 Thessalonians 4 is the scripture. Now, it is the scripture post-1850. Any commentary before 1850 has a whole different take on this, but you read comment, commentary post-1850, it's gonna be really hard for you to get to the basics of the truth. In my, in, in from my experience and from what, I have, from what I have experienced. So let's just read it. First of all, let me put some context. First, 1 Thessalonians. Let me say this. Let me see if I want to go there yet. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. You guys know that Revelations was written around 60 to 65 AD. So was Thessalonians and so was Acts and so were the Gospels. Every book in the New Testament was written between around 55 to 65 AD. All of them. So there are some people, and I'm going to get to this, that would actually say to you, how about you read Revelations after John? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Revelations, Acts. So again, the point is, is for the context, all these books are written at the sa- around the same time, and it is pre-70 A.D., Okay, meaning 70 AD has not happened yet in any of these books. What I mean by 70 AD is that the temple was destroyed. There was wars and rumors of wars. Now, I'm not saying that to project anything, but later on, I'm going to go through all of the theories of the end times. And you will see that I, maybe I should have started with this. I am not professing to be any kind of professor or theologian in any way. Because there are famous theologians that have given their entire lives to study this and they cannot agree. And there's about 18 different views on the end times. My point to you is, is that should make you want to open the door and say, what I know may not be all of it. Because if there are famous theologians that have spent their entire lives and they all have a different take with scriptural references, we've got a mystery, sons. 
So I am not presenting that I know everything. I'm just presenting the conviction of being a kingdom daughter and recognizing there's some hypocrisy going on and it's making me question some things. And I feel like I'm afforded that because if there are famous theologians that cannot get on the same page and there's about 20 different ways to look at end times, then I think it's okay for us to look at some things. Is it okay? Okay. So 1 Thessalonians. The context of 1 Thessalonians, the reason why I was saying that it was written so soon after his death is that what happened was, is remember when he said uh, that famous scripture that says, and none of this is going to, how does he say it? Yeah, this generation will not pass away without seeing all of this. So these people were like, Paul, our friends are dying and we haven't seen you come back yet. What do we do about this? I'm afraid they're going to be left behind. Their question to Paul was, I have family members that have died. We have not seen your second coming yet. Will you explain to me? Because I feel like they're going to be left out. That's the context of the scripture first. Okay? All right. 1 Thessalonians 4. Let's just start with the good stuff. Verse 13. Now we do not want you to be, un is that right? Yes. Now uh, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about those who are asleep so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, so with him God will also bring those who have fallen asleep in Yeshua. For this we tell you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall in no way precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall come down from heaven with a commanding shout, the voices of the archangel, a blast of the shofar, the dead and the Messiah shall raise for, will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left behind, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So for some reason, we read these words and we said, hear this, then we who are alive, who are left behind, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always fly away off into heaven. It does not say that. It does say that you are going to be caught up, okay? And that you will always be with the Lord. Yes? What I want to ask you to think about is a couple of different dynamics that we may not understand. First of all, let me just preface this by going to Acts 8.35 and go ahead and turn there. Remember the word was caught up. That's English, but still the word was caught up in English. Acts 5.35. I'm sorry, Acts 8.35. Oh, Philip. The eunuch replied to Philip, I'm in 34, please tell me who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he proclaimed the good news about Yeshua. Now as they were going down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water, what's to prevent me from being immersed? He ordered the chariot to stop. They both got down in the water, Philip and the eunuch, and Philip immersed him. When they came up out of the water, the Ruach Adonai snatched Philip away. That exact same word is he was caught up. The eunuch saw no more of him. For, for he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip found himself in Azostus. My point in this is that Philip was caught up. 
And where did he go? He went from an earth position, he was caught up in the spirit, and he went to another earth position. He did not get caught up and then just never was no more. So if you are caught up, you are going to be caught up, I would actually venture in another whole series could be, are we caught up right now? Anyway. I don't want to go down that because I really do want to give some earthly foundation, but we need to recognize that there is layers upon layers upon layers upon layers. And for every scripture, there's 72 truths. What I mean by that is that if we believe as Christ is in us now, there's an aspect that I have access to 1 Thessalonians. I am not waiting for a caught up place, but I can be caught up in him right now so I can translocate all over the earth which is why we're gonna see earth a little bit differently. But because we've been lied to, and because you've been told you don't have that kind of authority, just sit there, be quiet, and when he comes, you'll fly off into heaven and sing holy, holy, holy. You haven't understood what kind of a power we have on this earth and the gifts that we operate in. He said, you're gonna do better things than me. Philip was translocating. Have you translocated yet? I would like to be caught up. But the only thing that's taught to us is you will one day. Just wait for it. Don't wait. It says now. Right? I mean, there's another whole aspect to this that I just want to boldly come in. It says now. Heaven on earth, now. Okay? Amen. So, okay. So, first, going back to 1 Thessalonians. So, the word caught up is the same word that Philip that was used for Philip. But let me explain a little bit more about 1 Thessalonians. With some dynamics we may not understand. See, there's this thing called honor back in around that time where when government officials would begin to come into a place, people with authority would begin to walk and meet the government officials and they would escort him back into the city that, that he was supposed to reside in. We don't understand those kind of concepts here in America because we don't necessarily do that on a daily basis. But back then, that was a normal thing. When a government, listen to my words, when a government official shows up on the scene because there is a new government that is about to happen, the ones that have the authority are going to meet him and escort him back into a place that he is supposed to reside in. So there's an aspect of that caught up place that those that have authority are actually going to rise and meet. And in that meeting, they are meeting the government official and going to escort him back to where he's, not back, but where he's going. Does that make sense? So in 1 Thessalonians, when when it's talking about that, I want to say to you that what you need, this is, well, let me see if I want to get there yet. Yeah, let's go ahead and go there. So here's what I want you guys to be thinking for yourself. When it comes time to rapture and all that stuff, the first thing that you need to think to yourself is, um, there's three things I want you guys to think about. The first thing is that you need to question, is there one or two events? That's the first thing. Because I'm not denying 1 Thessalonians. I'm just saying, what is, when was that? What is that? When is that? Who said there was two events? Or is there one? Okay, that's the first question. The second question is is, uh, timing. Again, when? Okay, that's an aspect of all this. The other, the third thing to think about is destination. 
Because the thing that I had was that when you leave, I never thought about where I was going. I just thought I got caught up and apparently being with the Lord meant in some far off cloud place. I did not realize that the scriptures say that he is coming to earth where it says in the end, it says the kingdoms of this world will be the kingdoms of my God. So I didn't realize that when I get caught up with him, that there's a place I'm going and it's right here. I did not think about that. So is it one or two events? Those that believe in the rapture believe that there's two events in 1 Thessalonians is talking about the first event. We're gonna get caught up in the rapture, tribulation's gonna happen, you're going to be escape all of that and then in his second coming, you will come down with him and then you will rule and reign on the earth. Okay, that's one theory. The other theory is, is that if you endure all the way through the tribulation and you're not taken out. His second coming, we will catch up. We will be caught up with him and we will escort him right back. We will be going right back down to where we came from and we will rule and reign for a thousand years. So again, one or two events is a question. Timing is a question. Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. I'll get into all that, okay? And then destination. Where are you going? Did you think that the millennium, the thousand year rule and reign is like up in the sky? You, we have to ask ourselves that. I never thought about that. I thought it was. I thought that when I died and I went to heaven that I would have some assignments in heaven. That's why I feel like I've been releasing lately. I don't know if I want to go in heaven. I don't think he needs anything in heaven. <laughs> I, anyways. Okay. You guys doing okay? All right. Are we okay on 1 Thessalonians 4? There's a couple things to think about. Caught up, same word as snatched up. When you look up the actual word meaning, caught up is the same word as Philip who was caught up when he went to a different place on earth. Uh, the definition of caught up means sudden and forceful. It does not mean abduction. I will say that. It does not mean abduction, but it does mean sudden and forceful. There is a lot of theory out there. This is going to happen very quietly. And all of a sudden, you're just not going to know. And we're just going to evaporate. And then everything's going to get crazy. I don't think it's a secret. The archangel, the shofar, it says in Revelations that the lightning is going to be on the west. And you're going to see it in the east. It's going to shake Dead people alive, or I should say asleep people alive. One of the things we've been tapping into is it's not so much about good and evil, but it's about asleep and alive. And a lot of what First Thessalonians is talking about is are you asleep or are you alive? What's caught up and what's not? It's not necessarily about good and evil and the bad ones are going to stay and you're going you're gonna to escape all this. He's talking about a greater truth there. He's talking about dead, and he's talking about asleep. That's why it says that in, in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians, it says that Yeshua is the first fruit of those who are asleep. He's honoring those that have not seen this yet. Amen? Okay. Um, we are doing good, you guys. Are you guys doing okay? Everyone? Okay. Um. Okay, so I do, I want, so is it all right if I just kind of release some theories? I've got one more thing I want to release, and we're going to go over all the theories that are out there, and then um, we will have a time of activation. You guys good? Okay, so I'm going to erase this. Um, so in Revelations, just to give you guys a little bit of some context, if you're taking notes and you're wanting to study Revelations, 
The powerful thing about Revelations is when you read Revelations 12, it does show that his people are going to be protected. Okay, Revelations 19 is the actual description of his second coming, which I guess, again, I'm just speaking out of releasing, but one way to look at that is that then Revelations 19 is actually describing what Paul was talking about in 1 Thessalonians. Does that make sense? It's not that 1 Thessalonians is null and void, it's just that it's a different view if you're viewing that he's describing the second coming where the government officials and those that have authority go and meet him and bring him to the place that he's going to rule and reign could describe Revelations 19. I'm trying to put scriptures together so that you can follow and start studying studying it on your own. Does that make sense? So so again, you have to go back and ask yourself when I, when I write out these theories, you have to ask yourself these things. You have to ask yourself, was there one or two events? What's the timing of the events when they're described, like when you're laying in bed and one leaves and one goes? I would ask you then, is one leaving and one going at final judgment? Is one leaving and one going during rapture? Is one leaving and one going during the second coming? Is one leaving and one going right now? <laughs> I'm just saying you have to ask those questions instead of saying this is exactly what it's talking about. And then you have destination, one coming and one going where? What does that mean for the one going? What does that mean for the one that's staying? There's a, there's a destination that's at hand. And we'll, we'll talk about all that when we get into the different uh, things. You guys good? Okay. So maybe just by a show of hands, how many of you are um, educated, is maybe the best word, of the end times? So like when I talk about millennium reign, do you know what that means? Yeah. How about any of you guys? How, raise the hands, yes. Huh? Millennial reign, end times, anything like that. And the reason why I asked that is because that was something that I, I remember people would say, are you preterist or full preterist or partial preterist? Are you pre-millennial, post-millennial? And I'm like, I love Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, I didn't know. And I want us to be educated. So we're going to just get into that, okay? And, and again, I'm not saying that I, you, it's a conversation. Okay, so I'm gonna try in my best way to totally like simplify what I've been given and I'm just gonna release it and then we can go from there. But ultimately, this seems to be the timeline, okay? This is kind of the timeline of what the church age has projected. Now there's variations as to when and stuff, but this is pretty much the timeline of end times. So you have the cross, okay? Then you've got this like, period of time we've all been in. I don't even know if I want to say that because there's a theory. Anyways, it just gets really awesome when you look at this stuff, okay? So you have the cross and then you've got this period of time that we've been in and then you have tribulation and it's seven year period, three and a half years and three and a half years. This has a lot to do with the prophecies in Daniel. It has a lot to do with what's in Revelations, okay? So you've got cross, you have this time frame, which has now been 2,000 years, then you've got seven years of tribulation, then you have a thousand years of millennium reign where he is going to rule and reign on the earth in peace. So there will be full peace, and the enemy is going to be locked up, okay? 
then the enemy is going to get loosed again after a thousand years. And when the enemy gets loosed again, he basically gets his final judgment, what they call, I think, what, the white throne judgment. And then eternity starts. Okay? So just kind of like overarching. So you have, a, you have Yeshua, you have this long period of time, then you've got tribulation, and then you've got 1,000 millennial reign, and then you've got eternity and final judgment. Now there's judgment pre-millennial reign, and then there's like the final judgment, and there's a whole bunch of stuff about Hades and Sheol and asleep and cast in the fire and all that stuff, okay? Kind of overall picture, okay? So, cross. Trib. I'm not gonna try. Millennial, and then eternity. Okay, the reason why I'm doing kind of this is because I'm just trying to get through this. So this, I am saying that this is still even foreign because this is what he is releasing to me right now. Okay, all right. Everybody good? Okay, you have an event that we, I would assume, because it's all, it's pretty, one of those, uh, you know that there's things that are non-essential, uh, non-essential and essential. One of the essential things is you have to believe in Yeshua, right? But a non-essential, a non-essential thing might be like, what gift do you operate in and were you in order during a church service? Like it's non, non-issue. Okay, so, so this is essential. Like he, he's coming back. Okay, all right. I'm not saying it's not, but what could be, for the sake of conversation, what could be non-essential is when. Right? That's what I'm getting at. I just want us to be aware. I just want us, the issue is he's coming. The question that we all have is when. And does that mean that we have to be divided on the when? No. But I do want us to be able to think for ourselves. I don't want us to be a people to say, there is exactly two events. This is when it's going to happen. It's in the year 2000. And then this is going to happen. And you're going to escape here. And then he comes back. And then, because... Nobody will know. Okay? Does that make good foundation? Make sense? So here's the different philosophies, whatever you want to call them. There are two, there are three different categories you can fall into on the end times. Okay? I got to go back to my drawing. Because this was like making my head hurt. And I'm going to just be honest with you right now. Other than one theory, I feel like I kind of have a little bit of all of it. So I'm just putting it out there where I stand. (laughs) I'm a little stronger on one than the other. Uh, There's one I just don't understand at all. But then there's all of them that I kind of like. Okay. Because once you fall into an area... It ties into a bunch of other things and it locks you into a way of thinking. So what I'm getting at is, here's what I'm, here's, well, let me just say this. Rapture, no rapture. What I'm after is everything that trails from that. What I'm after is everything that comes from that. I'm after everything that then would oppose or be hypocritical to what it is that we stand for. 
Does that make, so it's the, the things that you decide to uh, engage in are the things that are going to manifest in your life. So if you want to engage and you've studied and you're like, there, I am telling you, mom, there is two events and it is going to happen in the year 2022 and it's, he, I'm out of here. That is awesome. What's going to be hard is then how do you operate in, I'm going to take dominion and I'm for such a time as this. And you know what I mean? Like you're going to have to line up wherever you're at with all of your thinking because it will create an inner turmoil within you and you didn't even know it because you're not aligned right. Something is off. And when something's off, like Derek said, it begins to just tweak everything that we do. And when we're tweaked, we just don't function properly. And I want to see the manifestation of the sons, which means that we are able to engage in some things. Okay? So, people believe that there are uh, the second coming. Okay, so let me say that. So there's two, there's three different groups that you can identify with. You are either pre-millennial, you're either it's called premillennialism. You're either premillennialism, you're either postmillennialism, or you're amillennialism. Okay, all these theologians, they're all out there. You can believe that his second coming is coming before the millennium. You can believe his second coming is coming after the millennium. Or you can believe that there is no millennium at all, and we're going to just slowly gradu uh, uh, gradually become the kingdom of God, which would be like the mustard seed. Okay? So pre, post, or no. Millennial. Millennial is in uh, Revelations 19, where it says that he comes and he is going to rule and reign, okay, in peace. Here's what's so amazing and so powerful for us as sons. In chapter 20, I just want to read this because I just want to equip you. Revelations 20. Then I saw thrones. Think about the sermon that I released. Where are you seated? Now, okay? This is John in 60 some AD having a prophetic encounter where he saw thrones and people sat upon, the, sat upon them. Those whom authority to judge was given. Immediately in Revelations 20, there are, there are sons, kings, and priests that are sitting in thrones that are going to judge and rule and reign in this time with him, physically. What if I told you the parable, which we've gotten into about the tenants? This is what I'm talking about, about the escape theory. If you want to amen, when I preached about what are you going to do, not the tenants, the talents. I always say that. Maybe you're a tenant. <laughs> There were three options. One of them invested them. One of them also invested them, but just a little bit. The other one hid it. He said, you lazy thing. You lazy thing. So now what you've done is you give what you have to the one who invested it all. So here's what I say for escape people. Have at it. I'll take your inheritance. Uh, you want to hide what God's given you? You want to hide underneath your seat and just wait for something? Go ahead because I'll take your inheritance because I want to invest in that because it says that if I've been given much and I steward much, I'm going to be given much. 
What do you think that means? Whatever you're doing right here is going to determine what you're doing right there. Whatever you're doing right here is going to determine what you're doing right here. And the more we engage with how real he is, is going to give us access to what it's actually going to be like here on the earth with him. Does that just eradicate this whole, I just, you know, I don't know what we're doing. That should light a fire. I shouldn't have to preach about how's your secret time going. We got some work to do. You got some talents in your hand. And you're not supposed to hide them because it will be given up to those who are called to sit on the thrones who are going to judge. Because there is an aspect in this time where he begins to rule and reign. There's no evil. There's no peace. Until the time where we get to here where he says, I will wipe every tear. We have a part in this. He came to restore the earth. That wiping every tear is not off in some la-la land and the, and, the, and the earth is just gonna blow up. Yes, the old earth is gonna pass away, trust me. But it doesn't say anything about it blowing up and you leaving. It says that it's going to, his government is going to overlap. It's gonna overlay right here. It's going to overlay right here, guess what? But by the authority vested in him who said that I have access to it now, guess what happens right now? Ooh, that was good. His government is going to overlay where all the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of Yahweh. And we have a part in that. Because guess what? He ain't the only one ruling and reigning. He set up thrones for you to rule and reign. And it says in the parables, depending on what you do here is going to give you access and authority to what happens here. This What? Yes, it didn't even say sewing, it said trade. You guys okay? Does this like give some yes trade into that? <laughs> All I'm getting at is this concept that has come into the church age to say just just lay low. Just this world is getting nuts. Lay low. He'll take care of it all. Oh, he's going to take care of it all, but I want to pardon that. He's going to take care of it all, but I don't want to be dismissed from what it is that he has. Amen? I don't want to be taken. I don't want, I, I, I want to pardon that. Can you imagine? We have to practice here what it's going to be like to take dominion and rule and reign with no devil. We got problems with trees being beings. We're going to co-create like nobody's business. That's why he wants you to create from a place of what you've done here. Because he needs his sons to be able to create a thing because they've been trained properly. Because there's going to be some dominion over here. Because there isn't going to be any oppressor. There will be no more excuses. <laughs> there won't be any more oppressor. So what is it going to look like to rule and reign in that in this age. Yes. What is it going to look like? What is this earth going to look like? What if you weren't a renter? 
I don't know how many times I've heard this, this earth is going down. Do you know it's the best it's ever been? I think Dan said that last week. You become a renter when you say it going away. It won't be mine later. What if it is yours and it determines how much of it of yours is yours? Talk about raising nations. That's why I said I'm not chasing revival. Raise it. Raise a nation. That's equipping you. That's equipping you to be able to raise a nation. All right. Amen? Okay. Okay. I didn't even get into all of them. Okay. Pre-millennial, post-millennial, a-millennial. Okay. That is determined when you believe the second coming is happening. So if people believe the second coming is here, then you would be pre-millennial, right? If it's coming here, you'd be pre-millennial. If it comes there, you'd be post-millennial, okay? Then you have, uh, within the millennialism, you have pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip, okay? That's typically describing the rapture, though. So this would be kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that, okay. So pre-tribs believe the rapture is here. We are leaving. I need another marker. Okay, pre-trib people say we're leaving. I don't even know how to speak. This is the one I don't understand. So I don't know how to speak to that because then the overcoming and all that kind of stuff, it's just horrible things are gonna happen. The seven seals are gonna get unlocked and Armageddon's about right here. And then all of a sudden his second coming comes here. We come down with him and then we rule and reign. So somehow we bypassed this, okay? That's pre-trib. Two events, pre-trib, we're out of here. Tribulation happens. And then this is the second chance for people to come to Yeshua. Okay, so you had all this time and then during the tribulation, you've got another chance to find him, okay? And if you already found him, you're gone. So they gotta overcome on their own, okay? Mid-trib. Well, the scriptures do say that none of this is happening until all of the ends of the earth have been filled with his testimony. So, yes, okay. Mid-trib, there is uh, three and a half years, three and a half years, and they believe this is peace treaty with Israel, and then this is when it all goes down. So then rapture happens mid-trib, and then they come back here. Okay, so pre-trib, mid-trib. Post-trib is the one, okay. Post-trib is all in one day, we get caught up, meet him, and come right back down and rule and reign. Okay, that's post-trib, okay? I don't know if I want to try to describe post-millennial. I don't personally understand that because it's clear in Revelations that he rules and reigns for a thousand years, but they believe that his second coming will come here and it's us, Christ in us, that will be ruling and reigning on those thrones for a, million, for, for a, for a thousand years. Again, okay, amillennial means that there's, n and post-millennials also do not believe in the literal thousand. It's kind of like there's a period of time and we just begin to, what the word was, was Christianize the world. And when that happens, then he comes for the spotless bride. 
and that's here, and then there's the second judgment. Okay. Then there's a millennial that says this. <laughs> Everything in Revelations already happened here. 70 AD, rumors of wars and all that kind of stuff was all of Revelations and tribulations already happened, and we are in the millennial. So, now I will say this, Daniel's prophecy does prophesy. I think it comes out to mathematically, I won't say I said it, but if I write it down, I just will. 458 years and it does line up to 70 AD. I'm just saying, it's out there. And there's a lot of scriptures. That's where you get into preterism. Am I saying that right? God. Full preterist, full preterist, basically the word preterist means prophecy. If you are a full preterist, and there are, there are full preterists out there, they believe the fullness of prophecy has already happened. If you're partial preterist, you believe half of it's happened and we're still waiting for some of it to come. If you are a futurist, you believe all of it is still needing to happen. And if you are symbolic, all of this is symbolic and it doesn't mean anything. 144,000 actually means uh, perfect government, not actually 144,000. There's church replacement theology. There is uh, the symbolism of the whore. I mean, it's all symbolic. My point in saying all of that is that there's a lot of stuff out there. I don't want us to be bound by one, even in my preaching. I don't want you to be bound by one. I need you to go into the scriptures and be like, what is this? And how does it line up with, with what I've been taught by the gospels? The exact same thing will happen if I said, I need you to read the scriptures. And it says, women, go home and ask your husbands and shut your mouth. And then you read Yeshua and he says, I'm the liberator of women. Be the first to preach the good news. Something doesn't add up. Figure it out. That's all I'm saying. Something doesn't add up if there's all these philosophies that we've been told this is the only way. That's all I'm saying. Amen? Does that give enough of some context to allow you to dig into the scriptures to be able to see where it is that you fall in the, the spectrum? If you want to know where I fall, I think, today... <laughs> is I would say I'm a pre-millennial pre post-trib. And there's one event and we will be caught up and brought right back down to rule and reign. We are not getting out of here during that trip because I wanna be an overcomer. I want the promises of uh, Yahweh. So that's just where I happen to fall on the spectrum. Uh, I think it's a non-essential thing. What's more essential is wherever you fall, Here's why I, I can say that boldly, is because I don't want a way out. That's just how I operate. If I can preach a sermon that says, I will run to your mess every single time, then I cannot put on myself, then there's a way that I will get out of that mess. Because if I believe that Yeshua will love me in my mess, then I cannot have a doctrine that says I don't need to deal with a mess. Therefore, I have to reconcile that with my mindset. And in that mindset is when I decided I do not agree with this escape issue. For you... You have to figure out what your mindset is and what the scripture says and how you want to operate in life. And that, and that is a good thing. Amen. We got through that and it is 8.09. <laughs> I said hard stop at 8.10. How are you guys doing? It is hot in here. Is it hot? No. 
Are you guys doing okay? I'm, I mean, I'm genuinely asking. Yes? It is a lot. It is a lot. Does it give you enough of a foundation to search? Does it make sense my overarching what I'm wanting to present is not so much about the theory, but it's about what it produces in you. And I want that fruit aligned and I want it right. What I mean by that is that if we are going to be a house that says that we are going to walk until the maturity of sons and we're gonna operate in a place of being kings and we want access to it now, then there's something that's gonna come when we begin to go beyond what we've known and we search out the mysteries. Amen? Because if I could be as crazy and as bold as to say, when you have an encounter, if I'm here on earth, well, probably more here. Now, I only talked about the first thing I blew up last Friday. We'll get to the second thing that I blew up. <laughs> we will get to that. And that has a lot to do with all of this. Um, anyways, but if I'm right here on earth, but I believe that Christ is in me and I have access to all of it and he's omnipresent, then who I am has access to all of this all at once. Like uh, Shirley, For, I saw Lucy. I don't know where, I don't know what Lucy means. Shirley, that's what she means by being outside of time. I, I, I'm gonna have to find it. There, there is a scripture and I did write it down. I don't know if somebody would be able to find it by just by what I'm saying if they can search it because I did write it down. I just can't see it in my notes. But it talks about how you are going to have your family and it lists all these things that are gonna come, un, come into your dominion, including time. And there's a list of a couple of things. And so what I mean by that is, is as you're searching the, these things out by knowledge, I'm also saying experience it. Know that you have access to the age and the age to come because of where you were before you even came onto this earth. What I mean by that is before you came onto this earth and you were taught by the traditions of man, you knew all this. You had access to all this. You guys, this is so powerful. Before the foundations, was he slain before the foundations of the earth? He was not plan B. He was the plan. He was the plan to the choice of Satan. And in his plan, and in his infinite plan, he created you in his image as the answer, which is why it doesn't make sense we're getting out of here. He wants earth. He created it. He created it for relationship. He created it for himself. He wants it back. Something stole it, so he created you in the middle of it. But you didn't just come out of, well, you kind of came out of thin air, but you didn't just come out of thin air. You were an illumination in his heart. You were there with him before the foundations of earth. You saw Yeshua stood in a place and said, I'll do it. Just like you, before you were in your mother's womb, you said, I'll do it. I'll take on that scroll. I'll take on that time period. I'll come at that time. I'll say yes to that. I have a role. You knew before your mother's womb about all of this, what your role was, what your job was, who you were, and what you were going to be. That's why you were born for such a time as this. So 
So then when you forget who you are because of the philosophy of the world and traditions of man, and you've put on another cloak, you've, you, you've operated like a Joseph, you've been in a different land for too long. Well, I guess this is just what's going to happen to me, so I'll just put on the Egyptian clothes. When you decide to say, I'm done with that, I want to remember who I was before I came to this earth. And when I remember, I'll be able to see all of this, and why now? Why me? Why here? We have access to all of that. That's why we're gonna activate right now. That's why we're gonna activate our imagination. Because you're not gonna find it in the word, your scroll. I mean, you will, because this is an introduction to a relationship who's gonna open it up for you. But it's gonna come through encountering him to remember who you were before, who you were before you were traumatized, who you were, were who you were before you had lost in your life, who you were before that happened to you, who you were. Your identity before going back to the beginning will bring you to the end. Going to the end will bring you to the beginning. When you remember who you were before, you're going to know who you are there. That's why it's Hebraic. Amen? All right. I don't, we're not on live, right? Okay. So you guys ready to engage? Do you understand why we're encountering? Do you guys understand that there's going to be an aspect when you encounter, that there's going to come a time where you are going to end up being a legislator and an oracle? You're going to see in different dimensions. It's going to be beyond apostle and prophet. You're going to have assignments that are going to happen. What we're going to do, though, when we practice is we're just going to pour into him, and he's going to pour into us. Okay? Because we start off with, first of all, let me just preface this. When you engage and you encounter, or however, whatever word you want to use, engage, encounter, whatever that is, you are going to do it through two things. I'm sure more will come, but I'm just presenting this to you. You're going to step through this through the veil or through the cross. Okay? So you have two access points. You have the veil and you have the cross to access this world. Once you step through that, you're going to spend some time where you're just beginning to know him. He's going to pour into you and you're going to pour into him. Then typically what happens after that, you start finding out what's in his heart. And you start finding out what's in his heart after you realize how much he loves you, you find out how much he loves earth. And then you start seeing, I've got a job to do. And there's going to be some things he's going to show me in his heart i got to take care of. And you're going to start taking care of some things in the spirit. Which is why it's going to catapult us into an, uh, an era of rest because we are not gonna have to battle on earth, but in this dimension, in this realm that I'm talking about, past the veil, through the cross, you're gonna take care of some things and it's gonna be in that time, okay? Then we always end, I always end just thanking him for that time. For tonight, we're not gonna be getting into assignments like I said, we might be in this season for a few years, I don't know, but it's almost like the best way to explain it would be that when we step into this place, Almost look at it as if you're, um, we've endured some things on earth, right? For us to be mature, to handle some things. But because this place is new corporately, I want to encourage us that this is okay for it to be a time of rescue and salvation and the foundational things. Does that, is that making sense? 
where he's allowed to pour into us and we pour into him. It's okay, it's okay, to, be, it's okay to be there. Does that, does that make sense? Okay. So um, do, are you already playing that instrumental music? Okay. Um, I'm playing instrumental music um, in the background. It's not gonna have any words because I don't want us to get sidetracked with any worship words. I want you guys to hear um, my voice, partly because if you guys didn't know, one of the things I've been doing for two weeks is I have been searching this realm specifically. Um, I have been searching out a place specifically where our family could come and dwell together in a way we never have before. And so I have been searching, uh, I've been searching for this. And when he showed it to me, uh, I am going to describe this place and then we're gonna add to it. That makes sense? Why I'm, why I'm describing it? Okay, so we're just gonna spend maybe about 10 minutes. Um, we do not have a mic. I'll figure out the mic thing. Get comfortable. It's just 10 minutes. If you feel comfortable sitting down, sit down. If you want to lay down, you can lay down. If you want to stand behind, if you want to walk around, if what, whatever it is that you feel comfortable to be able to engage beyond the veil or through the cross. Tonight, I really felt led that he was wanting us to step through the veil. So just take this next minute to really just seek him and ask him, how do you want me to position myself to really be able to envision a veil in front of me? I want you to be able to envision yourself that you do not at this moment while you're hearing my voice, do not have access to this realm because you are on one side of the veil. I'm saying that because I need you to know how important the veil is and why you have access to this. Some of you have asked me specifically, what if I don't see? And I want you to know that there is an aspect that he created your mind. It's called actually your third eye, but it is the area where you are able to imagine. It may not be in a literal sense that you are seeing. It might be if you choose to engage with your eyes open. Many of you are seers and you can see it in the physical, but it may be in your mind's eye. So if I say something like elephant, you can think of an elephant and all of a sudden an elephant shows up and it's in your mind's eye, but, you're, but you literally might be seeing black, if that makes sense. I just wanna make that real practical because I had a question about that. So right now there's no elephant in front of you. <laughs> there is a veil. And what I want you to do is I want you to activate physically in your imagination. You're probably standing, but engage. If you're not and you're seeing something opposite of what I'm saying, you have permission to be free beyond my voice. But if you're standing, I want you to envision that veil and I want you to physically step beyond the veil. of things I want you to be aware of if you are overthinking. I don't know if that's right. What if the veil didn't look like that? I thought it was torn. I'm walking through it and the veil is still on me. Whatever it is that may happen, if you're, if you're overthinking of it, this isn't the big moment. 
This isn't the big moment. Like, did you get your encounter? It's, it's okay if you're just, I don't know if that's right. I don't, is it this, is it that? Just go with it. Usually the first thought is probably right. Just step into it. Remember, you are not, you are individually stepping beyond the veil, but there's one thing about this family is that we are all doing this together. So we are now all beyond the veil. We are stepping beyond the veil. In the moment you are beyond the veil, the realm that I'm going to engage you in, I'm going to describe it immediately. There's no road. You don't have to walk there. You don't have to trudge there. You don't need a train. You don't need to try to figure it out. You don't have to go through your list to get there, but here's the realm that you just stepped into. It is extremely clean. You are outside. You're stepping onto grass. The best way to explain it would almost be like it's the fake grass. It's so clean. Remember this realm is a lot like earth, but it's not bound by earth. But you're stepping into uh, actually a forest. I happened to flash a picture before your eyes so you would understand what tree I'm talking about, but what you are stepping into is a forest of cottonwood trees. They are huge, they are billowing, their leaves have different color. They fling at any type of wind or breeze. They arch over, they're huge, but you are, we are all stepping into um, into a cottonwood forest and we are walking all in the same direction. We're all walking in one direction. And as you're walking, eventually you're gonna get to a place where you're gonna begin to see that we've arrived to an open area. It's almost like a, a prairie. The same clean grass, but there's no trees in front of you anymore. It's almost like it's just this big open area and we've all stepped into this open area together. And in the center of this open area is a fountain. This fountain is not man-made. I would say that this fountain is probably about 10 feet tall. And there is a stream that is flowing from a source off in the distance. And this stream is coming towards the fountain and around the fountain and out. This stream is going in and out of this fountain. This fountain has water. What I want you to do right now, we're gonna rest in this place I want you to begin to activate your senses. Do you smell anything? Do you hear anything? And if you're having a hard time with any other sense but just sight, focus on the visual of the grass, the fountain, the water, the trees behind you, the open area. you to do 
is I want you to envision where you are in this place. It's one thing to see from a bird's eye what I just described, but I want you to engage. Where are you on this scene? It may take a few moments for us who are definitely analytical because you don't want to get it wrong. But you can't get it wrong. not going to do it tonight because I want you guys to feel safe, but eventually I want to be able to have you guys tell me where you are because what will happen is we'll begin to see things from everyone's perspective and what everyone is doing in this place. But for just tonight, I just want you to engage with where you are. You don't need to share it. question I'm going to ask you may be a little bit more difficult, so we're going to spend a few minutes here. The next question is, is I want you to ask or seek out, where is Yeshua in this place? at any point you get distracted and you start thinking about other things, just oops and just go right back in. There's practice that comes just like there's practice with reading the word or anything else. There's practice in engaging this God-given gift that he's given you to be able to engage him in a way. thing I want you to think about is if Yeshua is not near you in this scene at this moment, if he is not near you, I want you to ask him can you come near me or should I take some steps to get to you? would like to be close to you should I come to you or can you come to me and if you are already near him begin to engage that place 
Maybe search out a part of his body that is not seen to you. Maybe you can see his arm, but you can't see his chin. Maybe you can see the clothes he's wearing, but you can't see the expression on his face. Is he happy? Is he focused? Is he laughing? Once that closeness has happened, we're going to ask him a question, but I want to make sure that I address that if for some reason you did not see him come near you, that you have access to this place anytime you want, and you can go back to it anytime you want. You can ask more questions. But for those of you where he is near you, near enough for you to have a conversation, I want you to ask him this one question. Would you be willing, Yeshua, to tell me one thing about my tomorrow that you would like me to know about? anything about my tomorrow that I don't know about myself that you would like me to know.
get that answer and you have that conversation with him. There's an aspect corporately where where, where you uh, basically just take a moment and just thank him. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for coming. Thanks for letting me be here. Thank you for giving me access. Thank you for the veil that you tore to give me access to this. And as you thank him for the time that you spent, it's like in the mystery, he's he's whispering over you. It might be done in this moment as the lights turn on and we step out of this place, but it's almost like, don't say goodbye. Say, what are you doing later? What are you doing tonight? What are you doing tomorrow morning? I have some more things to tell you about the days to come. (laughs) So take some time to thank him, love on him however you feel comfortable or let him love on you or if it's a pat on the back or an elbow. See you next time. However you see fit to be able to say, I'll see you later. As you're leaving, whatever that may look like, remember the feelings, the grass, the crisp air, the colors, the smell, the sounds. The more that you engage and you remember that environment, the more practice you have to be able to see more and more that he wants to show you as you come. thing with this is that we were all in that same place and so at some point when we engage in this and if you share where you were we begin to see how the family operates in different areas and begins to show you things that you may not have seen maybe some of you saw an area but you were completely blocked out over here but somebody else was engaging in that area and then they'll begin to show you aspects I mean that's just kingdom right being able to show you the different areas that we, that uh, like for me personally, beyond the river and past the prairie, it's, I don't have a grid. I can't see it, but I'm sure one of you guys was frolicking around over there and you're gonna tell me (laughs) what's going on over there because there's an aspect of Yeshua and there's a whole lot more that we are gonna begin to encounter. 
There's the Godhead, there's Ruach HaKadosh, there's Yahweh. There's the seven spirits of God, there's angels, there's beings, there's his language. There's governors, there's tutors that have been appointed to you. Do you know that Galatians says that you have a pointer? You have, you have governors and tutors that have been appointed to you. You have legions of angels that have been given access to you to be able to function on this earth. How are you gonna know how to activate them if you're not engaging them? There are things in this area, and it's not just this area, but areas beyond and beyond and beyond that are gonna to begin to introduce you to the cloud of witnesses and all the things that we have access to to train you for your tomorrow. Yeshua's got some things to say to you, right? But we have all those pre-Yeshua, all those post-Yeshua, what I mean by that is the men in white linen, the cloud of witnesses, we have all of those people rooting for us. We have all of creation rooting for us. We have all of the angelic forces rooting for us. We have the entire Hebrew language rooting for us. We, there is a whole lot of beings rooting for us to engage in. This area that we're talking, that, that we just engaged in is endless. Absolutely endless of who you can meet there and who you're gonna talk to brothers and sisters in Christ, who you're gonna engage with to be equipped for your tomorrow. There's a lot of questions that you may have and you're allowed to ask all of them. Amen. Okay. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.